Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Steadily it rises. Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB Ballard, the Lincoln Addict, back with another episode of Lincoln Attic Podcast. And I want to thank the return listeners slash viewers, if you're on YouTube, for coming back. If you're new to this channel, please consider subscribing. It's free content. We cover so much as it relates to the 60s Lincoln universe, as I often refer to as the Lincolnverse. Okay, so if you saw the thumbnail or the title of this episode, you may have noticed that the main topic is going to be Goldfinger. So on this episode, I will break down the car crushing scene from the 1964 beloved film Goldfinger. We will also look at some of the filming locations, including in South Florida. Uh, There may be some information that we uncover on this episode that wasn't previously discussed. Uh, I think there's some of the information that's been out there uh, may not be 100% accurate, so we will look at that as well. Uh, We will also discuss uh, several aspects of the film, including some of the Ford product placement. Now, one thing I want to reinforce is the other reason why I'm covering this beloved film at this time of course, I live in here. I live here in Central Florida, but this film production, principal photography, kicked off the week of January 20th through the 24th in 1964. So here in Florida, of course, in South Florida, the Miami area, the production team was here filming January of 64 for this film later to come out with a premiere in September of 64. And uh, it didn't actually premiere in the U.S. until December, but it did have a world premiere uh, in September of 64. So we're going to celebrate together the 60th anniversary of the Florida uh, kickoff for principal photography. Now, uh, this is a beloved film, as I mentioned. Rest in peace, Sean Connery. Rest in peace, Ian Fleming, the creator of uh, this beloved 007 uh, character, if you will. But... I've always been intrigued by these films, and it's ironic that we're talking about this film primarily because of the Lincoln. If you haven't heard, there is a famous car crushing scene, uh, and the sequence involves a car leaving uh, a filming location and then driving to a scrapyard, a metal scrapyard. So again, we'll break that down. Now, if you haven't seen the film and you intend to watch it, Definitely want to issue this spoiler alert. We're going to kind of share some information. Not so much, it's not going to mess up the plot of the film, but uh, it's one of the famous scenes, again, that involves the Lincoln Continental. We'll talk a little bit about um, that location. And again, I think we'll get to the bottom of uh, a misnomer, if you will, related to where the actual car crushing scene took place. Now, in addition to that topic, I will cover the normal lead-in topics uh, for the podcast, which includes just talking about what's going on in the Lincoln world and what I've got going on with my 64 and my 65 Lincoln, plus other topics. So certainly stick with us till the end. I really appreciate that. Now, um, a few things that have been going on that I'll just give a quick heads up. I want to give a shout out to the Suicide Kings as well as the Cadillac Kings, they got together in January uh, this month to get together for a cruise. A lot of different car clubs, lowrider clubs, solo riders, so on and so forth. They get together in January to kind of signify the new year 
and they do a car cruise. And it was really cool to see all of the Suicide Kings do that. Uh, of course, the Cadillac Kings as well. So they kind of called that, I believe, King Fest, which I thought was awesome. And I know a lot of the raddies showed up, the Lincoln Life folks, uh, as well as different solo riders. It seemed like it was a jam-packed house. So congrats to them. We'll talk a little bit more about that. In addition, we'll talk about Mecham, which just concluded here uh, about an hour, hour and a half from me. I did not get to go this year as I had hoped. I had some other things going on. I had some friends attend. And uh, if you have an opportunity on this channel, I did a preview as well as a wrap up as it relates to the Lincoln Continentals uh, from the 60s that sold at Kissimmee Mecham. Uh, I will link to the wrap up video at the end. Now, uh, coming up here the next week to two weeks, there is going to be, of course, the world famous Barrett Jackson, which is held in Scottsdale, Arizona, that actual Scottsdale event, if you will. They have several throughout the year. And uh, the Scottsdale really is the, kind of the, the flagship event is my understanding. Uh, there's a few cars that we'll be watching. I haven't done the preview yet of those cars, but I know Ali is uh, bringing a, a really nice Restromod car. We're very anxious to see what transpires with that sale. So we'll talk a little bit about that uh, on this episode. I wanna thank our two title sponsors, including DVS Customs. If you are in the market to customize your Lincoln or down the road, you're looking at maybe purchasing a Lincoln uh, to customize, sur surely make your first stop DVS Customs. You can visit dvscustoms.com and go under Shop Lincolns. There's products every, uh, ranging from air suspension to car audio to gauges, to even window switches. So even if you're not looking to really alter the look and feel of your vehicle for the most part, I guarantee Jeff's got something that could potentially help you uh, with your car. In addition to that, I'm standing next to my 1964 Lincoln Continental convertible that I refer to as uh, Smuggler's Blues or Project Smuggler's Blues. And I wanna thank Michael and team at Colorado Custom. I've been a Colorado Custom wheel fan for probably 30 years, going back to my truck days, which I love these wheels, I love this company. Uh, Michael and team produce many wheels and steering wheels and other parts, but you may not know that they actually produce a replica Lincoln wheel. So it looks just like the wheel cover, also known as a hubcap, and you could purchase those right through coloradocustom.com. The great thing is you're not gonna have hubcaps flying off anymore if you go with these awesome Colorado Custom wheels. They range in sizes. I run a 17-inch uh, wheel that looks fantastic, but of course you can get much larger. Hit up Michael and the team at coloradocustom.com. So with that being said, we've got the housekeeping out of the way. We've got the little bit of the overview. What I'd like to do is I'm gonna jump in here. Uh, you're gonna see I'll go a little bit smaller on the screen. Uh, and I will talk through uh, some of the items and then other times I'll uh, appear a full screen. So without further ado, thank you guys so much for the continued support. If you wanna uh, leave a thanks, please leave a comment certainly. And you can visit lincolnaddict.com for shirts, stickers, and other ways to listen. Stay on the rise everyone. Let's jump into episode 36, Goldfinger and Lincoln Continentals. All right, so let's jump into this episode. I want to give a shout out to the Raddies, the homies, 
from California. You should follow them on Instagram, the R-A-T-T-Y-S Ratties. Also, huge shout out to Emma and the team at Mob Steel. They, of course, have their brand, Detroit Steel Wheel Co. Good people. And if you're looking for a wheel that's uh, like a, a smoothie type wheel that's made out of steel and not aluminum, they can get you squared away. So there's uh, really a jam-packed episode. What I'm going to try to do, though, I'm going to try to keep my segment a little bit shorter. It, and I don't mean it's going to be two minutes. Um, I'll try to shorten this segment up because there's a ton of content that I have already on the backside that's related to Goldfinger. So we'll get to that. I um, want to thank uh, Devious Customs. Uh, the episode overview is brought to you by Devious Customs, as I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, and again, this episode, we're going to talk about Goldfinger. So more on that. So Lincoln Life updates uh, in general. I want to say this. I spoke with a gentleman by the name of Tim Wilson. And Tim, just a fantastic Lincoln enthusiast, just a wonderful guy to talk to on the phone. And I do hope he did say that he'd be willing to come on as a guest. He has an original 1964 Lincoln Continental sedan that has roughly 2,000 miles on it. Original documented miles. Okay, there's a cool story. I've hinted at some of that story via social media. I posted the the black 64 with red interior. Uh, I will say this. Tim doesn't just have that 164 sedan. He also has, I think it's a pair of 61. So just a, a really good guy, someone that was super excited to talk with me. I was more excited, I think, to talk with him. And he showed a lot of love to just Lincoln Addict uh, social media uh, channel. And he he really just was, um, he was impressed, I think, with the, the curated content, which, again, is always my first thing. I'm never, I never really want to be first to post something or I never really want to be, uh, you know, someone that, you know, is literally on my phone 24-7, 365. I think I'm on it enough. <laughs> but my whole goal really with this hobby, as I've said, I said at the beginning as well, or I'll say it throughout here, um, you know, it's a hobby for me. So I, I do this for fun. Uh, I do it because uh, I like this stuff. I do it. I like that time period. And, you know, I've talked a little bit about that, but I want to say again, thanks to Tim Wilson for taking the time. Most importantly, thanks to Chris Dunn for linking us up. Chris is just a, uh, a pillar and the Lincoln community, and he's been doing this stuff for so long. Obviously, there's a lot of other people, too, and I want to highlight those folks, the the folks at the LCOC, uh, that the folks that put together some of the regional uh, publications, including the Lincoln Continental Comments. That's been around a long time. I've got a lot more coming on that. But I do think that this uh, podcast and this channel will continue to grow, uh, and it's because of people like Jim Ayers that's always looking out and so many others and, and you know, here locally, TC Blair, uh, Chris Dunn, you know, John Cashman's looked out before on stories and, you know, we'll text here and there. So shout out to John, you know, just so many people. And if you know me and if you haven't figured this out already, I'm all about giving credit. Okay. I'm never going to be like, Oh, I knew all this stuff. I just woke up one day and I knew it all. That's not, that's not who I am. Um, you know, if you if you remember writing a paper for school, you know, you had to credit who you wrote, right? Uh, typically, journalists, right? Uh, good journalists, they're going to, they, they have to, you know, they have to source things. Obviously, sometimes there's things that are off the record. But 
you, you know what I mean? It's for, for me, although this is a hobby, you know, I take it serious and I like doing it. And uh, who knows how long I'll do it for. I do intend to do more through my Substack. So if you want to find me on Substack, it's ODBS. So ODB's life. And I've, I've touched a little bit on, upon Lincoln. So I'm going to touch some more on there. But I think like in conjunction with Substack, this podcast, this YouTube channel, the social media channels, uh, some of the stuff, I mean, I'm a hands-on guy. I don't do everything myself. Tony, my friend, helps me a ton. But certainly, like I've always said, I try to be as well-rounded as I can. But at the end of the day, it is a hobby. So getting back to it, Tim Wilson, thank you so much. Great guy. I think we'll be able to tell his story here soon or let him tell his story and I can't wait to meet you. I do plan on coming up. I think you told me it was Cincinnati 2025. There's going to be an event. So I'm looking forward to to coming up there. So more on that. Uh, Kings Fest. Uh, what I want to do is I want to show you guys this. Um, so shout out to Suicide Kings and Cadillac Kings. I'm going to share my screen. And what I'm going to tell you to do is on uh, on YouTube, uh, go out and follow Suicide Kings. I typed in Suicide Kings Lincolns, or you could type in Suicide Kings Los Angeles, which you see here. Now, I do believe they're going to continue to ramp up their videos. Uh, you'll, you'll see it's not just those few that I had presented there. Uh, Escalante talked a little bit about the guy that they have that edits their videos. He does a great job. I think there's something for everyone in their videos. Uh, they're a tight-knit car club uh, community, and uh, they've got some cool stuff coming. Now, the reason why I want to give them a shout-out is, again, they did this thing with they're the Suicide Kings, but there's also the Cadillac Kings. And the significance of that is, obviously, they decided to get together. And this kind of New Year's Day type deal, uh, they've done Christmas stuff, which you can see here. And um, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, there's some local guys here in a lowrider club that do a cruise. I didn't go this year. I, I've went in the past. And I just know no matter where you're at in the world, there's there's cruises somewhere and typically near you. And I know California's a big car culture. So it was cool to see the Suicide Kings link up with the Cadillac Kings and do the damn thing. Now, there were solo riders that showed up. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, they're, uh, I think, Lincoln Life folks, they're ratty. So to me, again, going back to the fact that this is a hobby, I I love, you know, coming from the mini truck scene, there were always, you know, these, you know, maybe folks that didn't get along or different clubs that didn't get along or whatever. And I think that's potentially in any of the communities for the car communities. But to me, the bottom line is it's so great to see just everybody get together. At the end of the day, we have this one passion. Typically, it's a certain type of car, in this case, Lincoln's. Sometimes it's just cars in general. Hence, there's so many car shows in America. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, check them out. Also, I wanted to shout them out on Instagram. Now, they've got several chapters. Uh, this browser, I'm not logged in. Uh, so you'll see on Instagram. You can do Instagram on the computer, but it's way easier on your phone. Download it. And just type in Suicide Kings, and you'll see this is, I think, their flagship page. Suicide Kings with an S, CC for Car Club. And then, of course, they've got different chapters. They've got like a Suicide Kings Los Angeles, a NorCal, and I think the uh, they've got a uh, NorCal, and they've got one other uh, 
Coachella Valley, I think it is. But there's several of them, but I think this is the main one. They do a great job. So shout out to Escalante and all the kinfolk. This was their little promo uh, here, which which I thought was pretty cool. So good stuff there. Okay, so uh, and and actually the Lincoln Life updates. I want to give a huge shout out to the kinfolk at Colorado Custom Wheels. I always promote their wheels. I've had their wheels on other projects. ColoradoCustom.com. They make the Lincoln replica wheels that look just like the hubcaps. And again, these these won't go flying off. They do have a center cap that goes over the lug nuts, so it hides it all. And it's a very 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 high end machined wheel. These things aren't cheap by any means, but if you've got the resources and you want to get in a set of these wheels, talk to Michael. He's going to ask you all sorts of questions like, you know, are you going to eventually run uh, disc brakes? Are you going to eventually run big brakes? Do you have any modifications to your car? You know, he has a whole database of people that he's already sold these cars to, and he knows what offset you need and things like that. So coloradocustom.com, talk to Michael and team. Okay, so the Lincoln's for sale brought to you by our fine folks at Griot's Garage. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, uh, I promise, because I did a wrap-up video. What you're seeing here on the screen is Mecham. Mecham is, they have multiple events. They're a competitor to Barrett-Jackson. They have their Kissimmee event every January. They had a, uh, a 2020 coach door. Lincoln Continental sell for 95000 that's the one I'll cover that's not the 60s. They had this uh, 65 black uh, convertible frame-on restoration, which doesn't really apply to these cars, but 70400 That is, of course, this includes the fee. Uh, the 64 convertible, 47300 And I think the big surprise here was this uh, 66. So again, you'll see when I do the recap, I won't go into a lot of detail here. The thing I love about this car is it has the Colorado custom wheels on it with a more than likely a diamond-backed white wall. It's a 61 sedan. The sedan prices continue to increase. And I will just tell you this, 66000 with the fee, that's a strong price for a sedan. Uh, now, I know it's customized. I It's got a high-end wheel, Colorado custom wheel. And, you know, it's probably not perfect, but certainly, you know, people love these four-door Lincolns. People love the convertibles. Not everybody can maybe, you know, afford the price of a convertible these days, but certainly someone got a pretty cool uh, ride there. And I think this was the biggest surprise of the Mecham. Uh, as far as my opinion goes, this one didn't sell uh, the 64 Black, so more to come there. Now, next, I want to talk about Scottsdale. So I went to Barrett-Jackson uh, website already. I've already went to the docket for Scottsdale, and then you go to the car docket. Uh, really what I want to touch upon here, because I'm going to do a video that will actually go over this. There are a couple convertibles. So you see this gold 67. Uh, this is a neat a 66 uh, custom limousine factory coach built, which would have been Lieben Peterson. They did spell it right with the two N's, which I appreciate. Not a lot of these things were made. This was owned by a blues singer, Jimmy Witherspoon, which is super cool. It's airbagged, custom wheels. It comes with the original um, wheel covers. 67 convertible. Uh, this, I, I've seen this car in person. Uh, Gary Dobson, I believe is his name. Uh, I've met him and he's a nice guy. This thing is, is possibly going to go for some big money. It's a 69 sedan. You don't see a lot of the 69s for sale, but this thing has a 4L80E trans, an LS3, so it's a GM drivetrain. 
a crazy huge offset wheel in the back. So real nice car for someone that wants a custom Lincoln. We'll have to see what it sells for. Now, there's a guy in the truck club that I've been in since 98, Justin. Justin has built a lot of cool cars over the years, and that's kind of his business. And he is no stranger to building cool stuff. He's building this, what I'll call like a goldish color, 64, highly sought after year, of course, a little bit different mirror. Again, I'll go into a deeper dive. This one obviously has custom wheels. It's air suspension. It has a nice offset. I don't know if the rear end has been narrowed at all. It's certainly not perfect, um, I would say, to most people. But I would say to, a, to to the majority of people that want a custom Lincoln, this is going to check a lot of boxes for them. The year, a very cool color. Not everyone wants a black Lincoln. Uh, cool wheel offset. You know, it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, you got a 63 sedan, black, blacked out. You have a 61 convertible, five-year restoration with the original engine. I looked at photos of this car. It doesn't look perfect, uh, but it looks really, really, really nice. And if you say, what do you mean it doesn't look perfect? Look at the heel pad. You know, there's some scratches in it. I guess they maybe tried to dye it, um, dye the, the, the heel pad. Um, but, you know, compared to what we see with a lot of people, uh, or a lot of these cars, you know, it, it's certainly got a lot going for it. You know, it's got some weird little, I don't remember all of these accents. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but it's got some things like, you know, where they've done some different exotic interior uh, pieces and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see what that car goes for. But the one I wanted to sum it up with is, again, uh, I mentioned this car in the last episode. You have the 64 Lincoln Continental Convertible, highly sought after a year make, model, you name it, but this one has a Coyote drivetrain. So Ali, when we had Escalante and friends on, Ali made that guest appearance on Lincoln Attic Podcast, and I kind of said, hey, can you kind of give us a hint of what you've got coming for next year? Some of us knew, and this is the car. You know, he's got these custom uh, bucket seats that are made. You've got this crazy drivetrain, air-conditioned car. It's not a GM drivetrain, so it's going to, I think, tickle the fancy of a lot of people, and you know, what you're seeing on the screen here is, again, a highly customized car. You could argue and say, hey, why would you do that? Da, 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 da. Listen, a lot of these cars, uh, people want them to be customized, okay, at the end of the day. So uh, it's their money, and I wish Ali all the best. Uh, he's had it also on eBay, which a lot of guys will do. I haven't really talked about that, but people will um, showcase it, so to speak, on ebay because you've got a worldwide market people constantly looking of course you maybe have a high price tag if someone bought it there then you don't have to bring it uh more than likely i guess at the end of the day well i don't know if you could sell it because i think there's rules i think you sign the title over to them and all that but not to get into the, all that i would just say that you know if someone probably came it'd be like money talks but it, more than anything it's really a a way to go wow look at this car and you know boom, it's going to be at Bear Jackson. So uh, I'll do a little bit deeper of a dive uh, on the YouTube channel, as I normally do. And I want to uh, just say the Lincoln's for sale is brought to you by our friends at Griot's Garage, G-R-I-O-T-S, garage.com. That's griotsgarage.com. They have amazing, amazing detailing products. And someone like myself, I'm not a professional detailer. I'm just kind of the, the guy that likes to go out on the weekend, wash the car, wipe it down. They've got a ton of products, and they've got a lot of free tech videos on their YouTube channel. So 
there'll be a link in the description or in the podcast notes. Certainly check it out. Okay, uh, as we get closer to wrapping up this segment, Lincoln's and TVs, movies, music videos, plus album covers. Look, I'm not going to pick another one because this whole episode, most of this episode from here on out, it's going to be about Goldfinger, the 1964 amazing film that so many of us love and just a generation grew up watching. That's going to be the main topic of this episode. So really, I didn't go down the bunny trail to find another one. Uh, there's a 63 in this film. There's a 64 sedan. There's a 64 convertible. Uh, there's a bunch of other Ford products. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the Lincoln's in the f- cinema film uh, music videos and album covers is brought to you by our family at steel rubber. I often tell you S T E E L E rubber.com family owned business. If you don't believe us, go back and listen to that episode. Their products are more superior than the competition. And I can tell you this, these cars continue to go up in value. If it was me, I would put steel on all of my cars and I would keep those receipts because the products are not cheap, but they certainly add value to your car. When you go to sell it, you say, hey, this guy over here, he's selling his Lincoln. You see all the weather stripping. It's all dry rotted. It's all broken. It's not even there. Look at my car. You know, my car's got it all there. Here's all the receipts to show how much I paid for it. So I love all that stuff because it's great products. It's family owned. And I uh, love seeing the owner at uh, SEMA whenever I do go. So shout out to Steel Rubber. Uh, sealed with Steel is the hashtag we always use. And it's S T E E L E rubber.com. So with that being said, we're going to jump into Goldfinger. We're going to talk mostly about the car crushing scene, and I want to thank AccuAire. Uh, I have AccuAire on two current vehicles I've owned. I've had it on four total vehicles, A-C-C-U Air, AccuAir.com. That is the number one source in the world for air management if you have air suspension on your vehicle. And like I always say, you don't have to have a custom lowered vehicle. Uh, there's also vehicles, lifted vehicles, as well as Jeeps now that have air suspension. So when you're off-roading and you want to change the ride height, you can do that. Uh, They're going to be rolling out additional kits in the future, my understanding. But AccuAir on social media, on YouTube, as well as, of course, AccuAir.com. There's a ton of videos. There's just cool stuff out there. I love their product, and I'll always be a promoter of it uh, just because I've had great success with it, and I love it. So uh, enough talking ODB. I tried to keep that segment under 20 minutes. I think it's a record for me maybe on this podcast. And with that being said, let's jump into the Goldfinger discussion. Thank you all, and stick with us till the end. I appreciate y'all. Take care. All right, so thanks for sticking with us up to this point. That was kind of the lead-in, the normal content that I, uh, that I cover. So again, if you're a return listener, you'll be well aware of that. Hopefully you enjoyed that segment. Now we are going to get into the title segment that I talked about at the beginning and that is breaking down the famous car crushing scene and more information as it relates to the beloved 1964 major motion picture film, Goldfinger. So thank you guys so much. Just know I do this stuff for fun. I'm not a professional as it relates to a a shop or uh, anything like that. Um, I do this solely as a hobby and I do it because I love these cars and I appreciate when folks chime in and say, hey, this is great content. I enjoyed it. Maybe you got something out of this. Please leave a comment. Again, it really helps our channel. Uh, If you're watching this on your Apple TV and you're like, hey, I can't really leave a comment, 
Go back later on your computer or your smartphone, look up this video, watch it again if you can. And I would like to remind you as well, if you're listening to the audio version of this episode, thank you. If you're on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, fantastic. But go back and listen and view via YouTube as well. Not only does it help me out as far as my minutes watched, but it's also going to give you a visual that you will not have on the podcast audio portion of Lincoln Night Podcast. So hopefully going forward, I'll do all video and audio episodes, and that makes it easier for all different kinds of viewers and listeners. Thank you guys so much. Without further ado, we're going to jump now into the Goldfinger discussion. Shout out to Jeff and team at Devious Customs, as well as Michael and family at Colorado Custom Wheels. Let's do this, y'all. Hey, hey, so I'm transitioning from out in the shop to the studio here, and I want to jump right in and talk about Goldfinger, as I alluded that I would be touching upon today. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, I don't want to just talk about the car crushing scene. That is going to be the lion's share. Uh, we'll go through that. Uh, but what I want to also kind of give a little bit of context of the film and whatnot. I did use the gold Lincoln emblems here, the star, and that came from the 1961, one of the more obscure catalogs that's kind of harder to find. So I used that along with one of the, the few that I found. Uh, movie posters here. Uh, you'll see here, I want to give a huge shout out to Lincoln Land. Uh, fine folks there. I uh, certainly appreciate everything that they've always done. And oftentimes, again, people ask me, hey, I need a particular part. And I always refer people, check with LincolnLandInc.com first. They've been around 40 years. And of course, they wouldn't have been in business that long if they uh, weren't doing uh, folks right out there. So certainly uh, give them uh, a shout out. Now, this was just a, a quick overview that I put together. We're going to talk about key items related to this beloved film. We'll talk about some of the Ford product placement and how that's changed over the course of time. We'll review the filming locations, and I think we're going to uncover something that no one's really talked about. So if you ever plan on visiting this location, as I do, you'll be able to, I believe, go to the right spot. So we'll talk about that. We'll view the car crushing scene together. So I'm going to play that and um, I'm also going to play a shortened one minute and 50 seconds of the making of. So the making of, there's there's a few versions I found. Uh, I have a 25-minute version, but of course I scaled that down. So I think that that one minute and 50 seconds will kind of summarize a, a couple key things. It will also reinforce the fact that the principal photography began January 20th of 1964. 60 years ago. We'll round out the discussion with some facts. Uh, we'll talk about, again, where it was filmed, the car switcheroo, was additional magic made, um, and the driveway uh, with the Ford Ranchero. I'll also source, uh, typically, if you follow me on social media, you know I try to source everything. Uh, Wikipedia, there's various online resources where this stuff is available. Pretty much all uh, it's it's available. I like to kind of curate it and bring it together to tell the story. That's really what my role is, I think, in this podcast. Of course, the making of Goldfinger is also a great source. Now, Goldfinger, the film is based upon the 1959 novel. It was the seventh novel in the James Bond series. It, uh, of course, was created by Ian Fleming, rest in peace. 
Now, Goldfinger was produced by Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. So you'll hear that as well in the making of. This was the first of four, although not in a row. It was the first of four that were directed by Guy Hamilton. It opened largely to favorable uh, reception. Now, there are two for those scoring at home. Many of you may be Bond experts. I'm certainly not that. I do love James Bond films. And uh, there were two prior to this film, Dr. No in 62 and From Russia With Love in 63. Goldfinger was uh, the first Bond blockbuster with a budget equal to that of the two preceding films. It was about a $3 million budget. Something to keep in mind, I grew up, I was born in the late 70s and, you know, being an 80s child for the most part, you know, I think there's often a misconception that blockbuster films didn't come around until... Steven Spielberg's with Jaws and E.T. and Back to the Future and Jurassic Park in the 90s and things like that. And that's certainly not the case. You will see here, again, a $3 million budget. Uh, th- uh, the film was a financial success. I'll jump ahead an extra bullet point here. It recouped its budget in two weeks, which is fantastic. And it grossed over $120 million worldwide, which is huge. That previous bullet point, this was the first Bond film to win an Academy Award. It was for sound editing. In 99, it was ranked with the British Film Institute, BFI, as the seven, number 70 out of 100 of the British films. So the release dates, uh, this is of significance because although the principal photography started in January, uh, it gives you some context that so they turned this film around in six, seven months, eight months, uh, if you will. September 1764, it premieres in London a day later in the United Kingdom. Believe it or not, from all of the online content I uh, was able to find, it looks like it came out December 22nd, 64 in the U.S. uh, around that holiday season. Comment below if you saw this in uh, the, you know, in the theaters um, or any memories that you maybe have of seeing it for the first time. Often people do gasp uh, when they or they did back then when uh, they saw the car crushing scene. Now, sadly, James Bond creator Ian Fleming, he passed away on August 12th of 64, so about a month prior to the premiere of this film. Now, what I want to do now is I'm going to go off camera and I'm going to go ahead and pipe in the um, the uh, video that I that I that I shortened. So it's not the 25 minutes. You'll see it's it's about uh, it's a couple of minutes. So let's watch it now. Casting odd job proved to be no challenge at all. I had to get some gangsters. Look, he's gunning for trouble. The world's wiliest, toughest gentleman agent with a license to kill. 007. It spells on John Connery in Ian Fleming's It's January 1964, and James Bond has become one of the most popular characters in motion picture history. Producers Albert Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman have one goal, to create the biggest Bond yet. Ultimately, they create something more. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. The film's marketing campaign, orchestrated by ace publicist Tom Carlyle, is well underway when cameras roll in Miami. Goldfinger's shoot called for locations in three countries. The 
The first scenes actually shot were in Miami at the Fontainebleau Hotel on January the 20th through the 24th, 1964. The Miami shoot also included the car crushing sequence. When we destroyed a brand new Lincoln Continental being crushed, the whole unit was speechless, all of us, because it was like uh, part of ourselves being destroyed. I never forget it. Good night, Mr. Bond. Okay, so in that shortened making of, you see about just under two minutes, the narrator talks about some of the key things, the principal photography. First location was Florida, South Florida, as I mentioned earlier, and that was 60 years ago this month. So again, I'm kind of a date person. I like that aspect of it, and it's cool that we can put that line in the sand, so to speak, and uh, say, hey, it happened the, the week of the 20th and 64, January. Now, I did not show the entire car crushing scene uh, just because I edited what I had, uh, but I want to go ahead and take a quick look at this now. Um, and this this is after they leave the one setting, which isn't even in the U.S. Um, that's at Pinewood Studios, which we'll talk about. Uh, once they get on the roads, that is South Florida. And of course, Odd Job uh, takes someone out and then he drives to the metal recycling scrapyard, if you will. So let's do it. Okay. So what we're going to do here is I'm just going to, I may skip ahead a little bit. This is the car scene. Many of you have seen this. Uh, they're tracking the car. There's the Thunderbird. He comes out of, this is a KFC. Someone has said it's still there. I haven't looked at all of these locations, but there's the T-Bird convertible. Again, part of the Ford product placement. Uh, we see the 64 sedan cut in the left turn there. Love watching these films, again, for the older cars and whatnot in here. I can't play it with the audio because of the copyright on it. There's a cool low low shot of the car driving, green screening in. He pulls off on the side road. He does the dirty work. You can see the inside of the car. Again, we saw a couple of these short clips in the behind-the-scenes making of stuff. Uh, living in Florida my entire life, again, you know, these roads and, and these highways and whatnot, they, they look almost the same how they make them. All of the overpasses and whatnot. Okay, so I'm going to pull this back here, and I'm just going to let it ride here. So turning left, you're going to see there's a hint there on that wall, which we'll talk about. The car, obviously, they cut away really quick. He pulls up. Right here is where the switcheroo can't even really tell. Camera jumps back. The white gentleman exits the car, walks away. And at that moment, boom, they have to have this pretty much spot on. They cut away there to a lower shot. Uh, the car is picked up. Again, this is not easy to watch. And you will see right in there, you can see the light coming through. You wouldn't have been able to see that if... Uh, the engine was in there. It's placed into the car crusher. Again, this is very, very difficult to watch. I apologize. Um, it is worth noting right here. 
and I'll try to pause this so you can see it. Right there, that's the best. That's the best shot. The door handles do appear to be painted blue. What that indicates to us is that the car was resprayed. I do understand people could say, "Well, hey, the Continental scripting, the keyhole cylinder is also not painted. They could either wipe that off. They could have taped it. If you're going to go that far, you could say, "Hey, the peak moldings aren't painted. The grill's not painted. The hood ornament's not painted." You know, they would have taken some care to tape up the car, but it does appear right there that the door handles are painted. They would have resprayed this car to match it to the 64 because they're doing the switcheroo. Now, again, leave a comment. Let me know what you think so far of this episode. I certainly appreciate it. This um, segment is only a short while longer. And again, this is difficult uh, knowing how hard these parts are to even get. It's just uh, very, very tough to watch. Someone out there has probably got a little piece of this car or maybe the family or someone that worked there. They probably went and grabbed a piece of it. Who knows? That would be pretty neat. Part of movie history, if you could if you could verify it. Uh, this is kind of the part of the gag. I'll talk about it a little bit later. I do think you can see the two different color paints here. And our understanding is that this was cut down so that it could fit into the Ranchero. I'll get into this later, but I think we all know that there's no way you could take the mass of a Lincoln, crush it into one little cube like this, and put it into the back of a ranchero. It's just not going to happen. I do believe that is the same white gentleman. You can see his face there. When he gets in, they cut away. That is movie magic, and of course, there is Odd Job. Uh, again, if you uh, continue watching the scene, and here we can we we see a good view, which I'm going to talk about later, where I think that this scene has. Um, incorrectly been uh, referenced at the wrong spot. But when I do the overhead of this physical address here where this took place, where we believe it took place, um, you know, it's kind of hard because there, there should be a canal behind this. And I, I look at it and go, okay, uh, there's probably a small possibility that it, that it could have been recreated, this portion of it in uh, Pinewood Studios, but I, I highly doubt that because we would see Odd Job there. Uh, and again, there's a white gentleman, probably this part of the second unit uh, that, that walks away from the 63 and gets in the Ranchero. This, of course, they're in the T-Bird and they're like basically the tracker is done. And here's where you see the Ranchero drive away. Again, if you look at this before, and after you'll see that there's not, um, you know, the white wall tires and, and the hubcaps and things like that are different. So there's that portion of it. Let's continue on. Okay. So very, very tough to watch. Um, and what I did there is I piped in um, some, some discussion over it because it's copyrighted and I can't, uh, I can't, you know, play that audio as well. Cause it'll, it'll get knocked down here off of, uh, YouTube. So uh, something I want to talk about is uh, now that we've watched that and we're just like, my mind's blown every time I see that. I want to talk about uh, the Ford product placement. So product placement is huge in 2024 as it relates to placing any products into a film or production. Uh, when you think about cars and trucks, gadgets like iPhones, restaurants, toys, pretty much anything, um, they're able to say, hey, the the the, the Hollywood uh, studios are able to monetize off of that. If you go back to one of my favorite films of all time, Back to the Future, uh, released in 85, 
you know, there's products in there, but at, even at that time, there wasn't really what there is today. Uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff with Robert Zemeckis, who we'll talk about that, you know, we just went ahead and put, you know, tab, if you will, uh, that, that soda that was popular in the eighties in there. And we just, you know, did such and such uh, Mountain Dew or whatever in it. It wasn't so much. It was like, hey, if they had approval and the company said, sure, do it, they just did it. And that's kind of like what happened here. Now, my thought, uh, and I don't have any actual fact on this, you will find in this next bullet point, basically product placement wasn't what it is today. And companies really didn't see the value um, or there wasn't the handshake deals or there wasn't... um, the, the money exchanging, if you will, right? It was just like, hey, it was more mis- uh, prestige. Maybe they saw a little value in it, but you would think that in the pre-production, they would have went to someone like Ford and Ford was like, oh man, that's cool. The other two films were successful. This is going to be a major motion picture. Um, you know, they're going to say, hey, it's it's got a budget of $3 million. Wow, sure, we'll truck some, some vehicles and, and provide those to the production. Did they know? what was going to happen to the Lincoln, who knows, right? Now, I watch the Knight Rider historians. I may not be the biggest Knight Rider fan, but I love their passion for that whole universe, right? It was only four seasons. They know every aspect of every car and every jump and all that stuff. But they often talk about a company called the Vista Group. And the Vista Group basically was created, my understanding, to assist the TV and film productions with being the middle person between the automakers and Hollywood. So if you think about like on a Knight Rider, you know, you have this product placement of uh, uh, the famous Trans Am. You have um, the GMC General that's used uh, as the command post, right? And then you have all kinds of other vehicles and and you, you had this Vista group and they were doing that kind of thing that obviously I don't think they were around in the 60s, but, you know, that, they were probably the foundation for a lot of the handshake deals and, and, and deals that go down now to say, Hey, we want to put the, the new Camaro and transformers, or we want to put the new Mustang and such and such again, just to kind of lay some context. Now there is an article. If you Google 1989 LA times, the Vista group, you'll land on this article. And I've got a couple of uh, quotes here from this 89 article where it says, but car placement was not always such a big deal back in the sixties. Detroit automakers gave the process little thought and uh, poured free cars into Hollywood like water. Often when auto company, uh, one auto company would provide an entire fleet free to a studio. And that's probably what happened here. They just said, Hey, it's prestigious. There's probably no money exchanged. Uh, sure. We'll give you X amount of cars. Now, some of the cars I counted in the film that, you know, a lot of them are passerby or cars or, you know, things that, weren't necessarily hero cars or main placement, but uh, there's, there's a lot of four cars there. And I love watching these old films because there's a lot of old cars, obviously. Now uh, they also go on to say, there's a quote here, uh, which I forgot to put in quotes yet. The automakers had little control over how the cars were used. Sometimes they didn't know whether the cars would end up in front of the camera or in the producer's latest lover uh, or with the, uh, the producer's latest lover. So think about how the Lincoln was used in Goldfinger. Did the studio even know uh, what was going to happen to it? You know, who knows? Now, the car crushing sequence, sadly, the James Bond film, as I mentioned, um, is etched into the Lincoln Continental Universe, or as I refer to as the Lincoln verse, right? 
and I like just kind of using that. A lot of people say, you know, metaverse and all that crap with Facebook. But, you know, if you think about the universe of Lincoln and, you know, these different films it was in, you know, everyone talks about Perry Mason and Green Acres and all these cool shows and real popular stuff at the time. James Bond, this film really brought it to this blockbuster status and it was pretty neat, even though it was crushed, that it, it does have this connection. Now, prefer my preferences obviously don't crush it, you know, do some Hollywood trickery, but we'll talk about that. Now, several cars were provided from what I understand by the Ford Motor Company, the Mustang that Tilly drives, the Ford Country Square wagon to transport Bond from the airport to the stud ranch, the Thunderbird, which Felix drives, of course, that's there on the South Florida roads, and then the Continental, which Odd Job kills solo in. And, um, there is also a Lincoln convertible in, in the film. A couple of Lincolns, two or three. Now, as we kind of get into the mean meat and potatoes, the car crushing filming scene up to this point, if you go online and you do some checking, which I love movie site locations for all films. I'm not a James Bond, like a specific fan. Uh, I'm a fan of a lot of Spielberg films like Back to the Future, but I love movie site locations. I live so... Uh, I actually lived for a period of my life, a couple of years, in um, a neighborhood by here where Edward Scissorhands was filmed. And uh, that was a, a place where a lot of friends, my friends lived when they were younger. So I, I enjoy this stuff. And I have a friend from uh, California, Sean, all about Los Angeles. He does a ton of movie site locations, uh, pop culture stuff, you name it. So if you do some digging, you're going to find this 007travelers.com website. This is an image from his site. Now, certainly, I'm not covering this portion to kind of say, hey, this guy's wrong or anything like that. I'm just pointing out sometimes I'll spend hours trying to figure these things out, as other people do. So I appreciate the dedication that like a 007 Traveler website, uh, a fan will go through to figure this stuff out. I do think it's slightly off. So we're going to get into that, but he has the location pegged at 3338 Northwest North River Drive, Miami, 33142. Or is it, again, I think that we will find a discrepancy. Now, the couple things I wanted to mention uh, in the film, uh, we'll look at some of the screenshots. If you pause the scene, you will see the Atlantic Iron and Metal Company. That is plastered on the wall. You see a wall here. You see train tracks, which Odd Job uh, drives over. Technically, Odd Job wasn't driving at that time. I can tell you that because I've recently noticed that. Now, there is a person that claims, just in a comment, nothing to back this up, that the crew and location advisors in the past had said that the U.S. filming had the Lincoln drive in and stop, and the crushing scene was filmed in England at Pinewood Studios. Uh, we know they use two different cars and, and so on and so forth, but I, I truly don't believe this, and this is why. I've never seen anything to substantiate this. There's also a person that has chimed in in the past on this content that goes by David is fishing, and he says to the person that claimed this, this guy's name was Martin Cole, he says, Martin Cole, you are definitely wrong. Wrong is in all caps. The car uh, was crushed in Miami, Florida. It was my grandfather's scrapyard on Riverdale Drive, which he says, uh, no, excuse me, he says River Drive. Sorry. So, yeah, River Drive. Uh, two different cars were used. The one 
he drove in is not the one that got crushed, which we know. They used another one with the engine removed, which we'll talk about, uh, or we did talk about there in a moment a moment ago. And the scrapyard is still there. The entire engine was removed at the scrapyard because they don't crush cars with the engines in them. That's why you don't see any fluids. My grandfather passed away in the late 70s. The pictures of them filming it, or had pictures of them filming it on his wall. Now, I did reach out to this individual. It's a long shot that I'll ever get those behind-the-scene photos. But if you paid attention in that short one minute and 50 second clip that I edited together in the past, in that clip, uh, you will see one of the behind the scene photos. And that's kind of a raised photo. And you show the cameras faced at the car crushing machine. That's when they're doing the close up of it. So although you can kind of tell, like, I almost think that they, they filmed it on different days, maybe, you know, they had the car drive in and maybe that was the end of the day and they come back the next day and they kind of set up what they're going to do. Whether that happened or not, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, you can, if you really analyze the scene, you can kind of see some of the differences and we'll look at some of the photos here later that will also tie into the video that we looked at earlier. Now, another guy chimes in and says the rich new any W N E S Nunes said, you were absolutely correct, David. So he's responding to the David is fishing guy. I lived here in Miami all my life, and there is no way any of the scene was filmed in the UK. As I said in my reply to Martin, they do not have palm trees or, or Australian pines in the UK. Uh, he goes on to talk about a food fair, which I didn't see in what I was analyzing, so I won't mention that. So, again, we have someone that says, hey, it was my family's business. He had photos on the wall. And in that behind-the-scenes um, audio commentary, if you will, they mentioned January 20th through the 24th included, that was in Miami, and included the car-crushing sequence. So I highly doubt. Now, my friend, I have a buddy, uh, Noldy, who is a huge Superman fan, the biggest Superman fan I know in the world, and I believe he has told me in the past, I think it was Superman 3, which I loved growing up, by the way, with Richard Pryor, or do I have it mixed up? Was that Superman 4? You know which one I'm talking about. That I do believe that that um, junkyard slash metal recycling center scene, whatever I call it, a junkyard scene, that that was filmed, I think, at Pinewood. I think they, I, I believe I saw some behind the scenes stuff recently where they talked about a lot of those cars were brought in to make it look like a US junkyard and stuff. So certainly, could they have done it? Absolutely. But based upon what we know, we do believe that it was filmed in Miami, just not at this exact spot. Now, these are some of the photos from 007 Traveler. Uh, what stood out to me is there's a wall. If you look at the trees behind it, that is going to kind of line up with some of the trees behind where we see where the cranes are at. You know, there's cranes here and you go, hey, it's a recycling center. Uh, it's on the same street. There's the railroad tracks. You know, all of that lines up and you go, okay, well, here's where we're at. This is the production they're driving into, uh, making a left-hand turn. You can see the train tracks there. We see Atlantic Iron and Metal uh, Co. or company. Uh, we can see here. Now, this on this screenshot is the clue that, that the location that has been posted prior is not 100% accurate. What we can see here is obviously the old school telephone poles. My dad was a telephone man. Uh, in the 70s into uh, for his whole entire career. 
did a few different things, but you know, it's always cool to see those old uh, telephone poles. And he always talks about in film, he would rest in peace to my dad. He would talk about in films. A lot of times they'd say, Oh, look at the telephone poles. And they were power lines. So I'm <laughs> rest in peace to my pops. It's hard to tell uh, that could be power lines. I know uh, we have a bunch of those old glass insulators uh, and they were often up here in these areas. But um, yeah, now that I think about it, it's probably power lines, but you, you get what I'm saying. But there is a clue here which we'll talk about here in a minute on where this was actually filmed. So basically um, we watched the scene already. I was going to watch it here, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump over and I'm going to go off the screen and we're going to go just, uh, you know, some screenshots that I took and we'll, we'll break down a little bit further. The top is when the gentleman who's supposed to be odd job pulls in. We can see there's two cranes in the back there. We can see the, t the tops of some of the trees, the greenery on the right. There's a couple of old cars. There's the, you know, the piles of the junk and, and whatnot. So we can clearly see there is the flat glass 64. 64 was a little bit longer. When after it parks and the gentleman that's playing odd job, again, this is not odd job. If you look at it, it's just a white gentleman. When he opens the door and he walks out, um, you can see the camera jumps back a little bit. It's a little bit different location. You can see it's heavy on the lighting here on the front grill. That's going to help disguise it a little bit. And my guess is no one at the time probably even knew. Uh, certainly, you probably had some Lincoln people that knew. But, you know, for the majority of people, they just watched the scene. It happened so quickly when he walks away and then the rest happened. So, again, I, I doubt most people would know. But, again, you can look at the differences in the wheel covers, also known as hubcaps. Uh, the car is nocturne blue at this point, which we'll talk about as well. That's another fact I think we should talk about. But you can even see, like, for instance, look how close this car is here and where it's at with some of the debris right here. And you've got this thing right under uh, the, the driver front tire, and you've got some white stuff here. You can look here, and again, it's none of that stuff is here. You know, as close as this would be, you would see this. Even though we're talking a different shot, we've got a shot right here, front three-quarter. And then the bottom, we've got an elevated shot down. Uh, but but clearly, we can tell that is a totally different vehicle. Now, if you're liking this content, please leave a comment. Uh, even if you just go in and pick an emoji and like a thumbs up and hit send, that helps us here. So please do that if you're on YouTube. So before we go see, or clip by clip, uh, what I did, it was easier for me just to take these on my iPhone in front of the screen uh, just because where I was consuming, you can watch this movie now if you have access to HBO Max. If you haven't bought it or you don't have it on DVD or VHS, you could watch it through HBO Max. But the little interface, every time I would go to do it, it had a line in it. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to take photos of the screen. It's just as easy. This is a comparison, which we're going to get into in a moment, of where people think it was shot. Or, or, or where this scene took place. But if you look, there is a wall and you go, okay, there's a wall, there's train tracks. That's what we have. So we're going to dive into that in a second. But as we get in here again, this was at Pinewood studio. So I think it was like one minute or one hour and 14 minutes in some odd seconds. I think towards the end of that minute is when uh, they cut to the scene and you've got the 64 Lincoln. Cool. It's got the Kentucky plate. That's where they're supposed to, the setting of the film um, so Kentucky plate, and then we could see Boma 64. Remember, this car would have been like less than about six months old 
give or take, depending on what the production date of it was, we know the 64 model, I think, started August production. It was available in dealerships. I believe it was late September. I have the dates in my database. Uh, but, you know, basically, you know, let's just say September, October, November, December, January, you know, five months old at this point. wish we could see the odometer, but uh, we can't in, in the shots. This is in Florida. Uh, on the highways down there in South Florida. I do believe they changed out the rearview mirror. I have a 64 Lincoln, so I should know. But uh, the mirrors in these cars tend to kind of, uh, you have to tighten the screw and put the little stuff on them. So mine's a little, you know, wonky sometimes. But I, I think they changed that front or th that rearview mirror to give this perspective uh, with, uh, with Ajab. Also, it's worth noting that all this other stuff is green screened in, you know, however, whatever you want to call green screening back then. Uh, he was not in Florida from what I could tell. And uh, so, again, they would have green screened this stuff. You can see the clock. We can see it's an AC car. It's an AM FM radio or excuse me. It's an AM radio, not FM. So it wasn't like a highly option car. This is where they turn off on the side road. Odd job does the business. You can see the interior of the car. Again, I love seeing this stuff because uh, there's not a lot of photos of these cars brand new. And certainly when you have a film like this, it's like a time capsule to a certain extent because, you know, you're getting to see things on film, especially now. They probably would have never thought we'd be talking about this six years later in HD, 4K, all that stuff. Because when this stuff was shot on 35 millimeter film, or whatever they used, you know, that that's a very, very high resolution. So it could be upscaled easily to, I, I think people have even said it's even a higher resolution than 4K to a certain extent uh, when you really break down. But regardless of that, uh, you get the point that I'm making. You know, this stuff looks way better than it did, I'm sure, on uh, the, the cinema uh, screen back in the day. So again, we can see here down uh, these famous Florida roads. I know these roads, the interstates kind of still look the same. There's odd job driving the car. This is where they turn into the Atlantic Iron and Metal Co. And as I alluded a little bit ago, uh, the hint is right here on the information being incorrect, incorrectly shared in the past, which I think we're going to get down to this. And again, thanks for sticking with me. Um, I know... Um, kind of a lot of detail but i love this stuff you can see here the cars pulling in we've got the green trees in the back we've got the two uh cranes and i just literally was like click 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 on my iphone just to kind of get the shots i wanted so we could talk about this it was the easiest way to do it i wanted to play it through hbo but uh, if you're ever recording your screen uh, the system knows, and it, it basically blanks it out, so you, you can't do a screen record. So that's really, this is the switcheroo. Again, you see the green tanks there. You see the pile. You see the two cranes, the old car there, some of the debris on. And there's a white gentleman that's driving the car. They jump back here. The guy's got the top hat on. And you can see it's just a little bit different setting. Uh, there's no car on the right. Again, you could argue and say, well, yeah, it's just out of frame. Uh, but, you know, bottom line is whether they did it the same day, uh, again, you could argue that this location is a different location. I don't think that it is. I think the gentleman that even tried to claim that he's seen people mention that in the past that, you know, he talked about this was a not a U.S. 
you know, crane and all that. And, and, and granted, you can really break this stuff down even further. But the bottom line is we're pretty certain, uh, I'm confident to say, uh, the car crushing scene took place in the Miami area, uh, just not at the location that's been shared. And we'll break that down in a moment. Uh, so, of course, we've got the crane coming in here. And I'll jump a few ahead. Very tough to watch. Again, you guys watched this earlier where I gave some commentary. And I think I mentioned uh, right here is where you can see um, through here. It's tough to see, you know, and they did a good job of, of how they how they did this. But basically the engine is removed and uh, the engine and trans would be removed. And you can kind of see up through here. You wouldn't really be able to see this light kind of coming through for the most part. But it's all black under there. You can even see this uh, inner fender well is kind of dangling there. Still tough because there's so many good parts. And with these cars being more rare, it's tough to watch this. Now, I will tell you this. I think I mentioned this earlier. Um, the blue, we're pretty confident this was not a Nocturne blue car. I do believe that they resprayed this to match it. That would have been a key component for the switcheroo. Uh, you could argue and say, well, Jason, if they painted the door handles, why did they not paint the door lock cylinder and the continental badging? The continental badging could have, you could pop those off. They could have taped up this. Um, they could have, I mean, even, you know, then you could argue and say, well, the peak moldings weren't painted. You know, how much did they take off? Uh, did they, you know, maybe tape up the peak moldings and just wipe away the paint on the lock cylinder? I don't know. But, um, Certainly, if this car was resprayed, which I believe that it was, um, they did it, you know, a quick what I refer to as a Hollywood respray. They did that all the time on the Dukes of Hazard cars and uh, Knight Rider and whatever show, you know, to, to cover up the blemishes. A lot of the stuff wasn't going to be seen on screen, so they thought. And again, just uh, very, very tough to watch, uh, especially in slow-mo, which I'm making you guys sit through. So we're going to keep going here, and we'll wrap this up here in just a couple minutes, so bear with me. Uh, what we're going to look at here is the car crushing scene. The um, car is now smashed. This is kind of like a, I don't know if you'd call it tongue-in-cheek, but this is kind of like a gag, I think is a better word. Now, what I can see here, to me, it looks like two different color paints. You've got the darker blue, and you've got this lighter blue. Now, I know that's a that's a little bit of a stretch, but I, I really do think if you watch this and you pause it, this looks like the Nocturne blue. This looks like the Bermuda blue. So uh, we do also know for a fact, well, well, as far as we know, um, I've seen things where they said that the production team had to cut that remaining metal. That was, there's no way. I think we all agree. There's no way an entire huge Lincoln continental could be crushed it put into the back of a ranchero. It's just not going to happen. So again, it's a little bit of a gag and um, that's what happens. Now, this is not odd job. Um, it's the same gentleman, I think, that walks away from the Lincoln. Of course, this is going to be like a second unit production type deal, uh, you know, so they can keep the, the, the high paid actors, you know, off, off these kind of sets. But when, as soon as the gentleman gets in the car, they cut to this shot and that is odd job. And of course, they, they probably green screen some of this stuff in. A couple more things you can see um, when the when the Ranchero drives away, you'll see that I think it has a white wall tire, but it doesn't in other scenes. There's a couple of Rancheros that were used, uh, certainly. 
I think I got a couple of these shots here. And it's cool to look at some of the settings. Yeah, it's got it's got white wall tires here, different rim setup, uh, hubcap, whatever you want to call it. So there you have it. Now, so it, to summarize the car crushing scene, I think the facts included was a 64. We know changed to a 63. I'm convinced personally that all of the filming took place in Miami. We're going to look at uh, the the location here. Uh, in just a moment, Odd Job is not the person who gets back in the Ranchero. As I mentioned, if you look closely at it, you'll see it as a white male. The Continental had its engine removed. We can tell based upon what we've read online as well as underneath uh, the car. The car had been partially cut so that it could fit into the Ranchero. I think we know that. There's no way a crushed Lincoln, uh, even the weight of it, just wouldn't work. Uh, there was no real movie magic or was there? Uh, there was a real 63 that was crushed. That was one of 28,095 built. I guess some music, movie magic, the Swaparoo, again, I think most people that saw this in the cinema, they didn't know the difference. Uh, two Rancheros were used. Again, you'll see if you look at that scene. I'm confident we figured out uh, the crush scene. So uh, I think I kind of got some of my slides a little bit out of sequence here. So I'm confident I'm going to show you guys that the crush scene was at a different spot. So if you remember or you watch this film or you look at some of the screenshots or rewind here on YouTube, there's a 3200 on this wall. And this is 3200 on the same street. I'm confident that more than likely this was a business and they decided maybe they had multiple spots on this road and they sold or maybe it's a totally different place. But, I, you know, I would think as someone that kind of comes to town, you're like, oh, you go to the street and then you're like, there's a metal recycling place and you go to it. What I want to do now is I'm going to show you. OK, so if you just type in three, 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 eight NW Northwest North River Drive, this is where he went. And I could certainly see where somebody would say, hey, this is a wall. The car drove right in here. You know, back in the day, it circled around. You've got these trees. You've got cranes. This is the recycling place. What it doesn't match up to is the address in the film. So the address in the film is 3200. Now, I do understand. Uh, I, I don't work in Hollywood, but I understand what set dressings are. And I understand where somebody would say, well, hey, Jason, they, they probably just did a set dress and they put 3200 there for whatever reason. I definitely don't believe that. And I think the proof that is, if you look here, I believe right here is where it said 3,200. Now, you got to remember, this is a little bit different shot. Uh, this is a Google car driving down the street. Basically, this gate right here would have been the opening where they would have driven and they would have turned in right here. They would have driven around this backside or whatever was here, and then the car crushing scene would have happened right over here. Now, the, I think the best evidence that, that I have for this is going to be that this wall here, I counted, I think there's like 10 blocks. It's about the same height, even though, again, this shot is a little bit different. They would have been a little bit lower shot. Uh, the wall kind of appears a little bit higher. Um, but you have this wall in this section. There used to be a uh, kind of an accessory structure here. This has been filled in where I think this is the grate. And then you have this wall here that has a slight bend to it, okay? So follow me just for a second. Um, if you look here, 
you see you've got this wall, the 3200s right over here. You've got this long wall. Again, I know it appears a little bit different. And down in this area, you've got this little, some sort of accessory structure. And I don't think this is the wall. This is actually the structure that butts up to it. Maybe there's like a little side wall there. But it basically jets up here. You've got this grate. And then you've got this wall here. If you look, there is a slight bend to it. Uh, I spent a lot of time. We'll jump back to Google in a second. You've got this long wall. It kind of jets up a little bit. I believe this is where that accessory structure. And there's a clear bend right here where this wall, part of this wall still exists. So I am very confident on that. Again, this is where I break down the um, the E versus the H and 63 versus the 64 color. And again, I promise we're going to wrap this up here in a second. Now, when we go back here, again, I, th I, I feel like the, the camera was right over here. The car turns in. There is a, uh, a gate that's closed now here. And you see clearly from this angle that there's that little bend in the wall right there. This is 3200. That's the same that we can see in the film. Uh, if we go back here, uh, we can see there is a channel behind it. You have these trees, which I believe is the trees that you see. Uh, and then it's hard to tell, but obviously there would have been an open space behind those. But I do believe if you look here, uh, there is a street uh, light, and uh, right in, I think it's right here is where the wall is at, or, or where the opening would have been, where they would have turned in at that time. Uh, you could see here, again, this is where an accessory structure used to be, and then you could see this bend clearly from Google Maps. The car would have turned in right over here. The 3200 would have been here. It would have pulled in. And let's say there was like the mound of junk or whatever. It would have pulled in here. It would have circled around. The camera crew would have been here. They would have been facing out, which you would have the cranes, the pile of the stuff. And then you'd see the trees in the background. I don't think there's any other way to spin it. Again, if you look at the two locations, this is it. It matches the 3200. We can see the wall. If this wall was still not there, it would make it difficult. But I can tell you this. The train tracks are there. You've got the bend in the wall. We can see where the accessory structure, and if you go back to here, it's kind of hard to see in some of these. Okay, where the bend is at, um, it's hard to see in this image. Obviously, images have gotten better, but right here, you see there's a little bit difference in this wall. I think this is where that grate was in the past. I'm not 100% sure on the grate. You know, was it just filled in? You can see there are some gaps in these. And whatnot, but here you go. Here's the I actually I, I I went around this thing a bunch and I never got to this in view because if you just move a hair down the road, it changes. This is where the wall would have went. And remember what I said, how I think there was this little wall that goes right here. This is where it steps up. This is where that accessory structure would have been. And this wall at some point was a little bit higher, and you could see where it bends back slightly. So there you have it. And again, one more time, um, if you were going to this location, I can tell you this right here. This is where you can see where the gate used to be. And it's right behind where this light pole is at now. So if I were going to take a photo or whatever, and I knew that this was where the original opening, I do believe this is exactly where the car went and it was crushed right over here. Now, if I could ever touch base with the person that uh, had the family member that owned it, I could maybe confirm to say, hey, did he sell it? I can maybe look back at old 
uh, records. I know people will do that sometimes to see, hey, or to, hey, was this property sold? When was it sold? Um, you know, did someone did they own both properties and they just went down there? Did another scrap place open? At the end of the day, I'm not going to invest any more time in it. I just think it was intriguing uh, to uh, to cover that. So again, in closing, I'll say this: uh, I do believe it was a sixty. Well, we know it was a sixty-three. It was probably Bermuda blue. It was resprayed to the nocturne blue to match the sixty-four. There was a convertible uh, as well that's used in the film. Many of you probably know this. Uh, this is probably the sixty-four. Uh, don't know if they use the same one in the UK at Pinewood Studios in South Florida. It, I, do, I don't know if that we could figure that out. I want to wrap this one up. Um, that does it for Lincoln Attic Podcast episode 36. We covered the Goldfinger film details. So some of the key things. We celebrated the anniversary. So again, 60 years ago at the time of this episode launching back in good old January of 1964. Uh, the, we obviously added some commentary to the car crushing scene. We determined what I believe to be the actual scene location. Let me know what you think. We came to the conclusion that it doesn't appear the car was resprayed, which I truly believe that. Uh, we came to the conclusion that the entire Lincoln would not fit into the rear of the Ranchero. Rest in peace, Ian Fleming, Sean Connery, and all involved with this amazing film. Rest in pieces, I guess I could say, to the 63 that was crushed in January 64. Thank you guys so much. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a comment, leave a thumbs up if you can, leave a five-star rating if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you guys so much. Stay on the rise, everyone. Take care. ODB, we out of here. Peace. All right, folks, that does it. I flipped the camera around. We're checking out my movie marquee with all of my, some of my Lincoln collectibles, I would say. And again, I want to thank you guys and ladies so much for watching and listening. I do want to thank Devious Customs, Colorado Custom Wheels. You heard me talk about steel rubber at the beginning. Seal your car with steel. If you're ever looking to buy one of these cars or you're looking to refurb your car, listen, I know this stuff costs a little bit of money, but sealing these cars, making them weatherproof, making sure that there's no wind noise coming in is critical. Again, steel rubber, S-T-E-E-L-E rubber.com. Certainly appreciate them. We've got the sticker right up here to prove it. Uh, I also want to thank Griot's Garage and AccuAir, A-C-C-U-Air, AccuAir.com. Again, that's going to be for the person that wants to add air suspension, maybe to their custom Lincoln, or they even have products for Jeeps. So if you're off-roading and you want to adjust the height of your vehicle, you can certainly do that with AccuAir products. But all of these fine companies have said, hey, we'll help you out. Um, we'll help out your listeners. We'll help out your viewers. If they uh, hit us up, let us know uh, that you listen to Lincoln Attic Podcast, and we'll do the best we can to help them out. So um, I don't get anything for free from these companies whatsoever. I just take pride in pushing the companies that have fantastic products and uh, potentially are going to help you in the future on your ride or project. So thank you again so much. If you like the new production and some of the production value associated with this, let me know what you think. All of the comments, uh, I'll do my best to go back and respond to each one of them. And if you're on an Apple device or Spotify, any way that you're listening to the episode audibly, uh, please go in if you can leave a rating. A five-star rating is much appreciated. If you want to go a step further, leave a comment, and I will try to I get to some of those here in the future on the podcast. So much more in store for Lincoln Attic Podcast as we move through 2024, including aesthetics of these different year Lincolns and so on and so forth. 
Lastly, again, if you're new to the channel here, check out the catalog of content that we have, whether it's an audio podcast episode here on YouTube or so many other great videos that have helped many people. Thank you guys so much and the ladies as well. Take care, everyone. And again, happy new year. Let's keep 2024 on the rise, y'all. Let's do it.